The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the General Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. The weekly meeting of NAAAM, the National Association for the Advancement of Alpha Males, hereby is called to order. And those of you Alpha Males are welcome to attend. If you are a wussified beta, you may hang around as well, because by the time I'm done with you, During this two-hour gathering of the Alpha Male Good Life Maneuvers, you will be on the road, on the path from wussified beta to absolute 100% USDA certified Alpha Male. And speaking of Alpha Males, those of you that are about to get married, thinking about getting married, about to tie the knot, then you will want to stay tuned. Hour number two, as a public service to all of you, we will conduct prenuptial protection maneuvers to make sure that if you do get married and something goes wrong, you still get to keep the house, the car, the cigars, the spirits, and your cash. Long Ash greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. America's alpha male front and center from Humidor 1A Command Center Alpha here in the Cigar City. And as always, we welcome you. Now, if you care to follow us along during the course of the week, the General is available 24-7, 365. Just go to CigarDave.com right now, and you will see the links to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, although I will tell you I mostly hit Twitter, but we do hit Facebook as well. Now, lieutenants, as you know, I am leading the charge as America's alpha male, your five-star general, leading the charge to ensure that the American alpha male gets to live the life that he should here in the United States, that he should not be under attack, that he should be proud to be an alpha, and that the evil forces of feminism do not completely feminize and wussify every American male. This is a classic. I saw this in the National Review last, actually earlier this week, and the headline caught my eye. Donald Trump's counterfeit masculinity. Feminism's dream. So right off the bat, as soon as I saw this, you know they're going after Trump. You know that they're calling into question his masculinity, and you know somewhere along the line they're going to bring up the fact that he's an alpha male, and they're going to try to berate him for that. This author, after reading this article, it's by David French. I wonder if he's related to Mr. French, who was on Family Affair. Remember he played the butler? Maybe he's Mr. French's son or nephew. Who knows? But I came away thinking that 
This author believes that Donald Trump is contributing to feminism's ultimate dream, and that is to castrate the American male, the American male baby, and completely feminize him. What they would like to see are nothing more than glorified females. And it is amazing to me because, believe it or not, later in this hour, I will tell you that the word female is now a dirty word. Female. Now, the feminists are going after the term female. Will they stop at nothing? Their craziness seems to be boundless. So let me take some time to read portions, actually most of this article, because it's important enough to share. And clearly, this author has a bias towards Donald Trump, and I believe he has a bias towards the American alpha male. Again, Donald Trump's Counterfeit Masculinity, Feminism's Dream in the National Review by David French. Some Americans believe that Donald Trump is the answer to feminism. He's the fearless man. He's the strong man. He's the man who laughs in the face of the social justice warrior and demonstrates the appeal of pure, unadulterated aggression and virility. In reality, however, he's a great gift to feminism, the man who will revive a failing ideology. And let me just take note with that. I think that it it depends how you define the term failing. Because for the last 40 years, feminism, the feminist movement, has done a, uh, a, a great job. And I don't mean that in a positive way. But they have achieved their goals by wussifying the American male. From the time that a boy comes out of the womb, from the time that the mother gives birth, they want to immediately feminize that boy, and they have been successful. Let's face it, this country, the alpha male, is getting to be an endangered uh, endangered species. The good news is, you and I are not, and we are going to contribute to reinvigorating the species. So he goes on, he says, to understand why, One has to understand the true object of modern feminism. The modern feminist doesn't so much hate biological males as hate the very concept of manhood as a distinct and valuable aspect of the human experience. Masculinity, to the extent that it exists. What do you mean to the extent? Masculinity does exist. I'm masculine, you're masculine. Now even existing uh, the existence of masculinity they have a problem with. But masculinity, to the, existent, to the extent that it exists, is toxic and must be suppressed. So being an alpha, being masculine is now toxic and must be suppressed? To hell with that. Classically male virtues such as bravery, strength, loyalty, and an intellectual and physical sense of adventure must be degendered while traditional male vices, including tendencies toward unjustified violence and superficial obsessive sexuality, are to be regarded as essentially masculine. The result is a world where masculinity is understood to be inherently destructive. So now, you and I as men, and I know many women that are listening saying, wait a minute, I like a masculine man. I like an alpha male. They're not destructive. In fact, I will tell you that the American alpha male, the alpha males in general, are the reason that this society and this world has advanced. It wasn't wussified beta males. 
that uh, that built buildings and dreamt, dreamt big. It was alpha males with giant sets of stainless steel titanium-laced nads. The result is a world where masculinity is understood to be inherently destructive. If, a, if women can't penetrate traditional male spaces, wait a minute, isn't it the male that's supposed to penetrate? But if women can't penetrate traditional male spaces, such as fraternities, locker rooms, or infantry platoons, then those spaces are dangerous. And abolition or gender integration isn't just a matter of social justice, but indeed of public safety. Bro culture at its best is privileged, at its worst is predatory. The result is that untold numbers of men simply shun the masculinity that they've been taught is wholly bad, embracing or settling for the degendered life. In their modes of speech, their conduct, and their interests, they become similar to the women around them. Well, we've been talking about that for ages, and part of the reason that men have been demasculinized and become feminized is because many women who are the mothers of babies and, and, and boys, young adult uh, men, no male influence, they have spread their feminism. Their feminism is spread by osmosis. And when you have a female, a mother, who is a feminist, who would love nothing more than for her child to turn out to be a wussified beta male, you see the problem. It is very simple. So they want to degender the American alpha male. That is exactly what the feminist movement would like to do. And so when they say that their conduct, their interest, it's already happened. Look around. It's happening and it has happened. The author goes on to say, sure, a guy might like superhero movies slightly more than his girlfriend, but these shreds of distinction represent just the faintest echo of true manhood. When we come back, I will continue with this article entitled Donald Trump's Counterfeit Masculinity Feminist Dream in the National Review. And this is the exact thinking that the feminist movement would like to continue into eternity. They have been preaching this for 40 years. They want to demasculize, uh, to, 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 to castrate the American male. And they want to neuter the American male. They want one gender. We're seeing it now. Look at the clothing in stores. No more for boys or girls. It's now gender neutral. So we're no longer going to be called. We can't say we're males or we're females. We will now just be gender neutral. And they'll come up with some exotic, crazy, absurd term. We will have nothing of the sort. As an American alpha male... I am proud to be strong. I am proud to be decisive. I am proud to want to achieve success. I am proud to enjoy the good life. I'm proud to enjoy my cigars, my spirits, and yes, my dames. I apologize for nothing. When we come back, we'll continue with this absolute disaster of an article. As they continue the attack on American alpha males and American masculinity, it shall not stand, not with this. Five Star Alpha, front and center. 
The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection for April is an Indian head cigar sampler, including the La Galera Habano. It's a medium to full body blend with an amazing aroma. La Galera Habano is complex with an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Dominican Corojo binder, and three different fillers. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get these premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. The journey of Yarguera began with a very special yet delicate Cuban seed. The Grupo de Maestros took their rare tobacco to the privileged farmlands of western Honduras, where they began a five-year program to combine its sweet flavors and distinctively aromatic qualities with the robustness of Criollo 98. The result was Yarguera, a genetic hybrid tobacco containing the best qualities of each. Grown on a single state containing rich soil and ideal weather conditions, Yarguera features flavors of coffee and chocolate with hints of nutmeg and cinnamon. Shade and sun-grown versions of this exceptional tobacco are now used exclusively in one cigar. Yarguera H. Upman. Experience Yarguera H. Upman. Now at your local tobacconist and visit yarguera.com to learn more. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. For your comfort and convenience, the pleasure police have been removed from the building. Enjoy your cigars. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com.
the general. The general has determined that enemies of pleasure are hazardous to your happiness. For your protection and sanity, they've been vaporized. And so are the feminists. As we continue with this article in the National Review by David French, Donald Trump's counterfeit masculinity, feminism's dream. Can't even say the word, I'm so irate. So as we continue in this article, it talked about how the result of, uh, is a world where masculinity is understood to be inherently destructive. And it says, goes on to say that untold numbers of men simply shun the masculinity that they've been taught is wholly bad, embracing or settling for the degendered life. In their modes of speech, their conduct, their interests, they become similar to the women around them. And that is true. Because many more men are left confused, aimless, and often angry. They simply can't and won't conform to a genderless society. And why the hell should we? We're men. There's women. You should be proud that you're a man, proud that you're a woman. And there are differences. We always hear the, the libs say we should embrace diversity. Yet when it comes to the differences and the diversity of genders, they don't seem to want to embrace that. They want to have one, they want to have like one gender, an amoeba genderless society. So there's, there's uh, no penal Americans and no vaginal Americans. They're just gender neutral. Sorry, I don't think I, uh, this alpha wants to uh, have any females in the harem that are gender neutral. That won't work. So absent exposure to those few American subcultures that still retain an understanding of distinctively or distinctly virtuous masculinity, they live in a state of frustration with many ultimately embracing negative stereotypes, living a life in full reaction against feminism. Yep, I'll raise my hand against that. While not rapists, they are predators seeking serial sexual conquests. Well, I'm not a predator. Do I enjoy the harem? Do I enjoy diversity? Yes, I do. And I'm proud of that. I don't apologize for that. Did Hugh, is Hugh Hefner a predator when he was in his prime because he had many girlfriends? I don't think so. While not criminals, these type of men are bullies, using threats and swagger to get their way. Life is about win- winning, and women and money are the ways in which they keep score. Let's see. Winning, that's a bad thing. Women is a bad thing. Money is a bad thing. I don't think so. Life is about winning. You want to win, I want to win. And the beta males that are taught not to win, to get that participation trophy, therein lay the problem. Because what we learn when we are young is that if you win, great. Sometimes you don't, but it makes you try harder. It gives you more more motivation to go play harder or to try harder or to, to, to do what needs to be necessary to put in the practice time to win. Winning is not negative, but the feminists would like to create, make winning to be an evil trait. So here they say, life is about winning and women and money, the ways in which they keep score. Let me tell you something. Women, there are three things that turn a woman on. And take very take take copious notes, my fellow alphas, because this is fact. Take this to the bank. What are the three things that women look for in a man? People, many people misunderstand what they look for. Men and women have different needs, but through years and years of vast research and personal trials and tribulations, women look for the following three traits. 
This is what turns women on. One, confidence. Dames love confident men. They love men that are decisive. They love confidence. Two, sense of humor. I know you may say, wait a minute, i got to be a comedian? Not necessarily. doesn't hurt. Women like to laugh. Sense of humor. Our good friend Laura Korn says, if you can, what is it, if you can uh, make love to a woman's, I think, mind, her, you know what, will follow. Her legs will follow. Well, I also think that women like to laugh, and that also helps in the assistance of getting something else to follow. So confidence, sense of humor, and the third thing that drive women crazy, that is a major turn-on, power or perception of power. So look at Trump. Look at yours truly. What are three characteristic traits we all have? We both have. Confidence. We're confident as hell. We have great sense of humor. We speak extemporaneously. We can make people laugh. We can uh, get into a room and entertain. And power and perception of power. It's pretty simple. That's what dames like. What do the feminists despise? Confident men. Men that make women laugh. Men with power. Ding! Now you see what feminists despise. So life, yes, is about winning. And women and money, let's face it. Money isn't the end-all, be-all. But does it help that you want to go enjoy a nice dinner? I've always said you don't have to be a millionaire to live like a millionaire. We can enjoy great cigars. Five, six bucks, we feel like a king. You can go have a nice five, seven, ten dollar glass of scotch. You feel like a millionaire. You feel like a king. And I'll tell you something. Women like to gravitate around men that are alphas, that like cigars, like good spirits. So yes, life is about winning women and money. We should not apologize for it. That's how it's been for centuries. And it says Trump is their hero to enter the world of the pickup artist. So now Donald Trump is a pickup artist or of segments of the so-called men's rights movement is to enter the world of the Trump fanboy. He's the ultimate alpha. Fox News' Andrea Tanteros channeled this mindset when she declared the left has tried to culturally feminize this country in a way that's disgusting. And you see blue-collar voters, men, this is like their last vestige. Their last hope is Donald Trump to get their masculinity back. We should never apologize for wanting to be masculine, strong, decisive alpha males. And when we come back, I'm going to delay the litation ceremony because I want to finish this article. This is so important so that you see how the enemy thinks and how they react as we continue front and center. Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, Kindle, and iOS so you can listen to the general anytime, anywhere. The Cigar Dave mobile app is presented by Diamond Crown. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store today. Hi. I know everybody's familiar with the 95-rated Decade one of the finest cigars ever made and produced by Rocky Patel. Well, he outdid himself. I'm here to introduce a new Decade Cameroon. It's got a beautiful African Cameroon wrapper on it. And when you put this wrapper with the wonderful blend of the Decade cigar, it just takes it to another level. 
you get that little sweetness on the back of your palate. You get the cedar, the hickory notes with a little bit of spice. You know what I want to do? I want to just sit in my backyard or on my patio or a bar stool and enjoy the cigar. You can take it all the way down. I tell you, Rocky, you outdid yourself on this one. And if you haven't tried it, it's going to be at your local retail store. Go get yourself one. You won't be disappointed because this cigar, man, does it smoke great. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. It's the General Cigar Dave. We're going to move the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony to the last segment in this hour because I want to finish my diatribe on this article that was in the National Review by David French entitled Donald Trump's Counterfeit Masculinity, Feminism's Dream. And I should also tell you that in the next hour... Spend the entire hour on prenuptial protection maneuvers. As we spoke last week, there was a bill in the Florida House and Senate that was vetoed by the governor, dealt with alimony as well as some uh, child custody issues. And uh, the governor used the child custody issue to veto it. But in that bill, it would have automatically eliminated alimony if you were married less than two years. And there were other provisions as well. So we'll be joined by Thomas Duggar, a uh, noted marital law attorney from the law firm of Duggar & Duggar up in Tallahassee, the state capital of the Cigar and Sunshine State, in the next hour because, lieutenants, a little bit of prenuptial prevention ahead of time may cost you or may prevent big, big headache, heartache, and expenses down the road. So we will spend time on that. As I go back to this article called Donald Trump's Counterfeit Masculinity, Feminism's Dream, Really what we see here is a very simple fact that the feminist movement has a problem with Trump for one and only one reason, because he's a masculine alpha male. What do the one thing that, and I've heard this many times over my entire lifetime, if somebody is confident, somebody's vociferous, somebody's opinionated, what do they call them? You're arrogant. I've heard it all the time. You're arrogant. People that I don't even know, we say, I've heard his show, he's arrogant. And then when people say, wait a minute, it's not arrogance, he's confident, he's opinionated, he speaks exactly what he thinks, that's all of a sudden arrogant? So what we have seen is that there has been always been a confusion between confidence with arrogance, and now we're seeing a confusion between an alpha male, a masculine male, with arrogance. And the author goes on to say the masculinity of Trump is exactly the caricatured counterfeit masculinity of the feminist fever dream. 
It takes the full energy of manhood and devotes it to sex, money, and power. Now, this is exactly the theme that we saw earlier that I spoke about earlier in this article. They have a problem with men winning, men enjoying women, men wanting to succeed and earn money. They have a problem with that. So it's very clear. The feminists take the full energy. They say it takes the full energy of manhood and devotes it to sex, money, and power. What are the three items that feminists despise? Sex, money, and power. Why? Alpha males get sex. They get it amply. Feminists don't. Men are not attracted to those feminists that have more facial hair than a caveman. They're not attracted to women that have underarm hair or hair growing on their legs or hair on their back or hair on their uh, mustache or facial, their goatee region. So feminists don't get men, thus they don't get sex. Feminists despise, they look at money as a way to keep women down. And we know that today the glass ceiling has been shattered. Women getting the majority of college degrees, post-college graduate degrees, they're in business, they're in professions, they're in every semblance of the boardroom. And the other thing that feminists despise, power. They want men to have nothing, none of it. How do you take the power away from the alpha masculine men? Castrate them. Cut their hands off. Now, this goes, article goes on to say it's posturing, masquerading, toughness, and anger drained of bravery. Trump represents aggression channeled into greed. Apologies are for the weak. Well, I don't think you should apologize if you're not wrong. If somebody's wrong and Trump has been wrong, he's apologized. But when you state an opinion, I am tired of somebody stating something and then a few days later coming out saying, you know what, I know I offended people, I apologize. Baloney. Take a position. Stand behind it, take the flack, and if you believe in it, you don't apologize. You say, look, others may have differing opinions than me. You may not agree with me, but that does not mean I'm wrong, and it doesn't mean I'm going to apologize. But everything today has to boil down to an apology. So apologies are for the weak, he says. Self-sacrifice is for suckers. Trump is a kind of man that many people can recognize, but none should emulate. He is the indefensible man, and he breathes new life into a feminism that is so extreme, so hysterical, that even a majority of women reject it. Yet the more that frustrated men and their conservative female cheerleaders flock to Trump, Proclaiming him the answer to the feminizing of America, the more they grant the intellectual, cultural, and moral high ground to a movement that has been de degenerating into self-parody. Well, I don't think the feminist movement, while many people don't concur with the feminist ideals, the damage has been done. It may be on the wane, but it's going to take us 40 years to dig out of that feminist hole that they've gotten us into. It's going to take us two generations of American boys to become the alphas and the masculine men that you and I are. So they go on to say that Trump is commandeering the debate over masculinity and providing the cultural left with a lifetime's worth of dissertations, think pieces, and television tropes on the evils of manhood. And Trump will have helped define their terms. If the other side tries to cast men as dangerous, sex-obsessed bullies, well, then hoist the middle finger, glory in Trump's apparent sexual and financial success, and relish the whining of feminists and betas everywhere. You're damn right. Absolutely. The other side does try to cast men 
as dangerous. The feminists try to they try to put us into a box saying we're dangerous, we're predators. To every feminist, every male, no matter what, is a sexual predator, is a rapist just ready to be unleashed, which is a load of poppycock, load of bull. But again, the feminists, they absolutely despise the fact that we are strong. It says, Trump's masculinity is a cheap counterfeit of the masculinity that's truly threatening to the cultural left. Man not as predator, but as protector, the sheepdog of American sniper fame. The masculinity that threatens the left is the masculinity that embraces the manly virtues while minimizing the traditional manly voice or vices. Teaching a boy to be a man doesn't mean teaching that strength Bravery, loyalty, and a sense of adventure are exclusively male or even always found in men, but it does mean cultivating those virtues in our male children. Excuse me, but teaching men to be strong, brave, loyal, sense of adventure, that is not being taught. It's not being taught and hasn't been for the last 40 years because if you raise a boy to be strong, to be loyal, to be brave, to be opinionated, to take charge, to want to succeed then according to the feminists and according to many on the left, then you are breeding an evil, a, 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 a criminal in the making, a, a predator in the making. It's difficult enough to navigate this course. Feminized churches teach men that emotionalism is a virtue. They celebrate strength in mothers while constantly mocking fathers as bumbling and inept. Dad calls, dads call moms the boss, and we've seen this. How many times have I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to friends of mine, and I go, hey, you want to go grab a cigar? Let's go grab dinner. Well, I need to talk to the boss. And I said, I'm looking at him. Oh, no, the other boss. How many times do you hear that? And they say that with a slight joking manner, in a, in a jest, just uh, in a manner of jest. But the reality is, truth be told, that that's how they look at their wives. They're the boss. And it goes on to say that dads call moms the boss while they retreat to man caves and confining masculinity to the few recreational pursuits they've reserved for themselves, whether it's following Southeastern Conference football or sneaking away for the occasional fishing trip with the guys. This is very interesting because we have seen men that go into their little man cave where they can be a man, but yet in the rest of the world, they have to put their head between their tail and become little wussified betas. We've seen it in TV shows. We've seen it many other places. So this, this author ends this piece by saying the answer to feminism is and always has been manhood properly defined. It is not and never will be the toxic masculinity of the arrogant. The answer to the predator is the protector. One of the great tragedies of this year's Republican primaries is that for months the predator prowled and his opponents were too timid and too calculating to act as protectors. For want of a sheepdog, the wolf will devour the flock. I leave you with this final thought. In nature, it is survival of the fittest. In wolf packs, it is the alpha that is the lead dog. And I will never apologize for being the alpha. Because if you are a beta and you are at the back of the pack, your view will never change. You'll be looking at the ass of another dog or another wolf. I prefer to be the alpha. I prefer to be the lead dog. I want the best view from the front row. And if the feminists have a problem with it, 
or if there are other members of the lib feminist movement that take issue and want to call me a predator because I want to be successful, because I like being in charge, because I like my dames, then I am, will be more than happy to debate you anytime, anywhere, any place. You name it, and I will be there. And I will make you this one guarantee. This alpha will beat the feminist idea, the feminist logic, and the feminist mantra into submission, into permanent hibernation. So if you want to call me a predator against feminists, then be my guest. Because by the time I'm done with the feminists, there will be none on the face of this earth. The National Cigar and Libation Ceremony comes your way next. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org.
with an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. I have just pulled out one of the April Officers Club selections coming to us from Indian Head Cigars. Indian Head Cigars purchased by famed Dominican cigar manufacturer Jose Hochi Blanco. Been making cigars for many other distributors for many, many years and decided he wanted to create his own brands. And two of the brands that he created, one is called La Galera. He's got the La Galera Connecticut, which is a gorgeous looking cigar the La Galera Habano nice deep and dark as well as another cigar that we included which is kind of a unique cigar it is the Indian Head Rough Rider Sweets mild cigar with a little bit of a sweetened bars that have just a bit of a sweetened cap on the end now for today I'm going to enjoy the La Galera Habano want a little bit more flavor today. So the La Galera Habano uses an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. The filler, three different varieties. From the Dominican, Piloto Cubano adds a little sweetness to the Criollo 98 and Pela de Oro adds a little bit of oomph, a little bit of body. The binder is Dominican Corojo, so very, very flavorful. Medium to full-bodied, beautiful aroma, just a nice-looking cigar hints of some cedar, coffee, just an elegant looking cigar, beautiful band, well packaged, prices are fantastic, it comes in four different sizes, a Robusto, a Torpedo, and a Gordo, six and a quarter by 60, but I have pulled out the Toro, six by 54, suggested retail is seven dollars, and it is called the Toro El Lector. It is a magnificent looking cigar. Seven bucks. You can't go wrong. I know you will enjoy the La Galera Habano as well as the La Galera Connecticut that is in the April Officers Club selection. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Well, today I'm going to use my cigar piercer. Little bullet cut. Haven't used this in a while. Comes from Avo. In fact, Hans Christian Oishkar, the CEO of Davidoff, gave this to me. He's got to be back last fall when we uh, had dinner here in the Cigar City. That's exactly what I would use today on my La Galera Habano. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, from the Cigar Dave Signature Laboratories from the R&D Lab, I've got my Cigar Dave lock and load. I call this the grenade. Because it looks like a grenade. It's got a tank as big of as, as a grenade. Of course, it's not politically correct, but we could care less. But a beautiful single flame. Looks like a welder's torch. Comes out about four inches. This is what I would use today on my La Galera Habano. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, I will take the piercer here, and I'm gently going to twist the cap. Just puts a little, almost a bullet cut, little small diameter inch punch. Perfect. Very clean way. Just exposes a small part of the filler leaves. So now that I have that done, I will gently toast the foot of this La Galera Habano. What a beautiful 
looking cigar. The wrapper on this is a ton of sheen and oiliness. Gently toast the foot. I want the wrapper to combust first. Then the binder and filler, taking my time. I will now puff and rotate. Mmm. Very nice. Great draw. Mmm. A lot of spice right off the bat. A lot of flavor. Mmm. I'm going to put a cigar. Perfect even amber glow. Take another puff here. Mmm. And without delay, I need something to accompany this fine La Galera Habano. So without any further delay. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, Passover started last evening, so in order to properly celebrate. By the way, my cigar is certified kosher for Passover. I have had this certified by the highest rabbinical authority throughout the land. And so I need something to accompany This cigar, now, normally, this would not be my libation of choice. But during Passover, it's customary. Gotta break out the, and I don't say top shelf, gotta bring out the bottom shelf, Monashevitz Concord Grape Wine, fortified wine. It is uh, pretty sweet. This would not be in any auctions. You would not see this bid for more than the asking price. And I think the suggested retail is somewhere between $5.99 and $7.99 a bottle, but you can find it for $4.99, but it's very, very sweet, about 11% alcohol by content. It is fortified. So I will take just a little bit of that, and I'm going to open up the metal cap. You can always tell a great wine when there's a twist-off metal cap. I'm going to put this in, and I will say cheers, Lachayim, a happy Passover to everyone. Hmm. Ah. The finest Monashevitz Concord grape that $4.99 can buy. And actually, I have to tell you something. Once, twice a year, it's not bad. This would not be my wine of choice every day, but for a couple of celebratory holiday occasions, why not? So we say cheers to all of you. Take another puff of my cigar. Mm. And I would say this is a fine accompaniment. Life is very good. Now, I want to tell you about a cigar I can't divulge many details, cannot divulge very many details on this, but there is a new cigar coming out from Camacho. And I happened to be at the Davidoff corporate headquarters several days ago, and Dylan Austin, the VP of marketing for Camacho, I go into his office, and I said, all right, what's new and exciting? What's coming out for IPCPR? He said, General, first, I've got to swear you to secrecy because everything you see here cannot be divulged until late May, early June. So Dylan had my word. But he said, I will tell you about the cigar. You can give some details, but I cannot allow you to release the name. You can release the picture of the cigar, which we will do, but I cannot have you put the band on or show the logo just yet. But I can tell you, This is going to be the most powerful, most flavorful Camacho ever blended. I would love to tell you the name because when the name comes out, it just screeches that this cigar has loads and loads of flavor and power. So what is unique about this cigar is that normally throughout the course of a cigar, the roller takes strips of Lajero, the strongest part of the cigar tobacco leaf, and he cuts it up and breaks it up throughout the course of the cigar. So it's even. What they did here was they put extra lajero. They split it up on the bottom of the cigar, the first few inches of the bottom, and towards the top of the cigar. So the first 
few minutes, actually about the first 10, 12 minutes of this cigar, extremely powerful, loads of flavor, major horsepower, major octane. Then it smooths out, still full, balances, and then the last third, you get more of that power. But you will be the first to know there's going to be a big event in Tampa to launch it, and we will be there, so be on the lookout for that. Lieutenants, we will continue around the corner. One hour to go, the Cigar Dave Show will be joined by matrimonial attorney Thomas Duggar as we talk prenuptial protection maneuvers. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. podcast is presented by diamond crown sit back relax pour a drink and light up a diamond crown as you begin the show with the general cigar dave this is ccrn the cigar connoisseur radio network Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. You have worked your entire life for success. You've achieved financial success. You are enjoying the alpha male good life. You get to take great trips, play golf, you go hunting, you go fishing at some great places. You enjoy fine cigars, top shelf spirits, nice nights out at fine steakhouses. You drive a nice sled. You are living the alpha male dream. You meet the woman of your dreams thinking this is going to be Mrs. Wright. Not Mrs. Wright now or Mrs. Tonight, but Mrs. Wright. You get married going in thinking things are going to be great. And somewhere along the line, things change. Things go south. So, all that work, you get divorced. You could lose everything. We'll tell you how to avoid that. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. This hour, we will conduct prenuptial protection maneuvers. The last thing that you want to have happen is to get into a relationship, get married, and in six months, a year, two years, three years, five years, it doesn't work out. But you have spent an entire life building up your career, and all of a sudden, could be gone like that. And some of the divorce and alimony laws in various states are very onerous. And so consequently, you must protect yourself. And not just for alpha males, but for women too. Many women come into a marriage with assets. They have worked. So I espouse not just for men, but for women also. If we're going to be fair, we'll be fair for both sexes. 
But for this particular hour, I'm going to focus on those of us that are alpha males. And joining us now from his office in Tallahassee, Florida, attorney Thomas Duggar of the law firm Duggar & Duggar. And before I introduce Thomas, I'll give you a little background. He practices exclusively in marital and family law. Board certified by the Florida Bar in Marital and Family Law, a fellow of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, certified by the Florida Supreme Court as a family law mediator, member of the Florida Bar Family Law Section, serves on the Executive Council, currently serving as co-chair of the Legislation Committee, been extensively involved in revisions to the Florida statutes as relating to alimony and other matrimonial law aspects, graduated with his Juris Doctorate from Florida State, a seminal, the Florida State College of Law. My pleasure to welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, Thomas Duggar. Attorney Barrister Duggar, we, first of all, the first thing we need to know is what exactly is a prenuptial agreement? All right, well, first of all, thank you all for having me on and um, giving me this opportunity to, to, to talk to you all. Uh, a prenuptial agreement is an agreement that parties enter into prior to marriage that can lay out any aspect of what could happen in the event of divorce or death or, you know, kind of any real um, uh, event that, that could happen. There, there are some triggers. So like if, if there's not a child born in the marriage or something along those lines, that could also trigger a, a, a prenup. Um, but what happens is, is in the prenuptial agreement, you lay out what's going to happen, who's going to keep what, um, and how things are going to happen in the event, usually of a divorce or a death. All right. Now, when we talk about prenuptial agreements, let's face it, today people are getting married much later. They are working, they're out in the uh, workforce, they are building careers, they're building businesses, they've achieved uh, modicums of success, financial independence, financial success, and it's very different today than, say, 40, 50 years ago, where people got married relatively young with no assets. So we have to protect our assets. Now, do you advise, first of all, how, what is the procedure? Somebody comes to you and says, Thomas, think about getting married. How do I protect myself? Well, the first thing I do is I sit down down with them and and I go over what they have. What is the assets that they have acquired? What is their income earning potential? Um, And we get an overview of their financial situation. It's also very important to know that you need to know kind of what maybe their parents' financial situation is as well because inheritance can come into play as well. Uh, a lot of people will, will commingle funds that they receive from the estate of their parents, and once those funds are commingled, they are considered marital. So we talk about that, and, and we lay out, you know, what are your goals in this, in this situation? Uh, a lot of times... Um, in in, uh, in a second marriage, when both parties are are, are um, previously divorced, especially if they have children, um, you want to lay out you know who gets what, how it works out, and how you know whose children are going to get what. But you you ha- you have to look at all aspects 
of that relationship before you can sit down and draft a prenuptial agreement or a postnuptial I, agreement. You can do these after you're married as well. Yeah, but Thomas, let's face it. The reality is once a woman has her uh, hooks sunk into the, the, uh, the prey, she's not going to want to sign something, especially after, let's say, the, uh, the, the, the husband has achieved some financial success. So I think the key is going, you know, is obviously starting it in front. Now, what sure. needs, before we get into specifics uh, 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 of how, what you, I should identify, do prenuptial agreements hold up in court? Are they bulletproof? Uh, no prenuptial agreement is bulletproof. And that is why you need a highly skilled and certified lawyer drafting your prenuptial agreement. What happened is in... October of 2007, the Florida legislature passed what's called the Uniform Prenuptial Agreement Act, which has been enacted in numerous other states, which actually makes prenuptial agreements a lot more valid um, in, in, in the state. Prior to the enaction of that statute, Florida courts would look at prenuptial agreements almost uh, from a, from a point of disdain that they they didn't like them. So um, we went through the legislature and got the what we call the UPAA Uniform Premarital Agreement Act passed in October of 2007, and that lays out what needs to be in a prenuptial agreement and how to you know draft through that but okay the, so what needs what needs to be in a prenuptial agreement well it depends on the situation of 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 what you are are after the main issues are you just have to plead with specificity everything that you want needs to be specifically included in a prenuptial agreement for example in a marriage if if the husband has a, a premarital asset, um, say it's a business or something along those lines, and it's worth X amount of money at the date of the marriage, his marital labor during the course of the marriage could enhance the value of that asset. So let's say it's worth a million dollars when they get married. If it's worth two million when they get divorced, if you don't have an explicit waiver of marital labor and enhancement in your premarital agreement, that a million dollars between the one and the two is going to be subject to equitable distribution. So you have to be very specific then, not only in terms of assets going in, but also assets earned after the time of marriage. Assets earned during the time of the marriage, inherited, gifted, any asset that comes to you in any way, shape, or form during the course of the marriage needs to be spelled out specifically within the agreement, as does certain aspects of um, uh, death rights. Because in Florida, if, if you write a will and you don't have anything laid out for your spouse – Without an explicit waiver, she can claim what's called the uh, intestate share of that estate. So you also want to waive that intestate share of the estate, the elective and, share. And, and uh, you know, prenuptial agreements not just important for people that are getting married for the first time that come in with assets, but also second, third marriages 
especially when there are children involved where you want uh, to to leave assets uh, in the event of death to the estate or to or to your kids, whether it's a business, whether it's cash, whether it's possessions. So the key is you have to be very, very specific. Now, someone told me that uh, when you, if you are going to say, these are my assets, you have to give a complete accounting of your assets when you uh, present the prenuptial agreement to your potential spouse. Is that correct? Uh, It is incorrect and correct at the same time. Prior to the passage of the UPAA in October of 2007, yes, you had to do full financial disclosure. You had to lay out your income in, you had to lay out all your assets, had to do full disclosure, et cetera, et cetera. After the passage of the UPAA, parties can waive that. So you don't have to be as explicit anymore. Um, after the passage of that, you can put a, a, a clause in there that says, you know, the parties are okay with the amount of disclosure that they've done to each other. They understand each other's assets and liabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Out of an abundance of caution, uh, when I draft my agreements, I still do the financial disclosure, though. But it is not want- necessary. Now, UPAA is federal or is that on a state basis? It's a it's a state basis, but other other states enact it, so it's uniform in other states as well. So the same okay, statute they, would apply in Vermont or wherever, something like that. How, how many states do not participate in the Uniform Pre-Marital Agreement Act? I do not know the answer to that off the top of my head, but I do know that in 2007, when we entered into it, we were maybe state 30. To okay. So, all right. So the majority, so the majority of states. And so I, that brings me to another question. As we continue talking prenuptial protection maneuvers, we are looking out for your assets. You have worked hard. If the marriage goes, you get married. Marriage goes south. Why should you be penalized? Why should you have to write a an alimony check in perpetuity? We'll continue our conversation with matrimonial and prenuptial attorney Thomas Duggar, front and center here on the Cigar Dave Show. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is an Indian Head Cigar Sampler, including the Indian Head Rough Rider Sweets. The Indian Head Rough Rider Sweets is a mild blend using a Connecticut Ecuador wrapper and Dominican fillers and binder. It has just the right hints of sweetness, making it one outstanding smoke. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get these premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In the fertile fields of the Connecticut River Valley, there is still one cigar brand who grows their own Connecticut shade wrappers, Monte Cristo. Prized for its unique silky texture, this exquisite tobacco has now been used to craft a cigar worthy of its name, the Monte Cristo White Vintage Connecticut. Building on the legacy of the beloved Monte Cristo White Series, this excellent medium to full-bodied cigar is rich, flavorful, and complex. Crafted with only the finest vintage 2008 wrapper leaves, the Monte Cristo White Vintage Connecticut Cigar has subtle notes of spices, vanilla, and hazelnuts. Packaged in a gorgeous handcrafted box, these exceptional cigars are available now at your local tobacconist. Pick up a Monte Cristo White Vintage today and experience 
the spirit of the valley. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, Search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Guarding the gates of pleasure, it's the General Cigar Dave. And guarding your assets in the event of a divorce, as we are talking prenuptial protection maneuvers today on this hour of the Cigar Dave Show. Joining us from his offices in Tallahassee, Florida, state capital of the Sunshine State, Thomas Duggar. And uh, Thomas, uh, we were just leaving off talking about the uniform, the UPAA, which is the uniform uh protection what, what is that the uh give us uniform the exact acronym pre- pre- uniform prenuptial agreement act uniform prenuptial agreement act now here's a question yes. for you yes, about sir. 30 states have it let's say for example you sign this agreement in florida you and your wife sign this agreement in florida you sign it prenuptial agreement all set five years down the road you move to a state that doesn't have the upaa you get divorced is it still in effect well, if you have a good lawyer, they have drafted language in there that says the laws of the state of Florida shall always govern the uh, administration of this agreement. Uh, it's in all of my agreements, so then the laws of the state of Florida would have to apply. So that would be good enough for a judge to look even if uh, a spouse contested it, sued, let's say in whatever, say in Idaho – Judge would yes. look and say, wait a minute, it clearly states this in the agreement, therefore it's got to be sent back to Florida. 
it's not that it's sent back to Florida. It's that the laws of the state of Florida apply. So if okay. Florida is a UPAA state, then the laws of the state of Florida would apply. Now, I've been talking that, about pre, the, the import. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Thomas. And, and that's in all of my agreements. You would I, Anyone who is in the state of Florida uh, uh, or whatever state they're in would want that language included in their agreement. Gotcha. Now, what prompt? I've always talked about the importance of prenuptial agreements, and I have for many, many years. And we had an example a number of years ago where gentlemen called me up and said, you know, I'm getting married. What cigars do you recommend? And I said, wait a minute. Before you get married, you have a prenuptial agreement. He said, well, no. I said, listen to me. you got to get a prenuptial agreement. I'm telling you it's important. And he said, well, I don't think there's going to be a problem. But he said, General, I'll take your advice. Calls me back about a year and a half later, and he said, I don't know if you remember the call. I called up and told you that I was getting married. You said, get a prenuptial agreement. He said, General, I'm glad I did. My wife was great at the beginning, but all of a sudden, when I wanted to continue doing things I always did while we were dating, smoking cigars, going out to play golf in Vegas with the boys, going out to do a little gambling, she had a problem with it. The, the marriage ended. And he said, thank God I had a prenuptial agreement. He said, it cost me nothing because I had all my assets protected, my cigar supply, my cash, my business. And he said it was an easy divorce. So we have always talked about that. But what really prompted the timeliness of this is that last week in the state of Florida, and you're familiar with this because you were part of the legal team that was involved in drafting the uh, bill that was uh, was introduced in the House and Senate dealing with alimony and child care. But I want to specifically talk about the alimony portions because Florida alimony law really hadn't changed since the late uh, 1800s, correct? Well, it, it's correct and it's incorrect. Um, I'm not exactly sure when, but about in 2009, 2010, um, Florida introduced a... a, a different type of alimony that a lot of other states had called durational alimony. Prior to um, durational alimony being statutorily recognized, the courts could only enter permanent periodic alimony or some sort of short-term rehabilitative type of alimony. There was, no, there was nothing there for durational. And and we felt that that was unfair. You know, you get a, a 15 year marriage with permanent alimony when really you need just, you know, maybe five or 10 years of alimony. So when we introduced the durational alimony bill, we got durational alimony passed. Um, it kind of started a, a, a storm and there's been a national movement across um, the United States for massive alimony reform and it's happened in a lot of states and it's it's happened in florida and for the last five years uh there have been different alimony bills introduced um with you know groups in opposition to to any type of alimony and the family law section of the bar that that wants alimony so we all came together and drafted a bill. All right, we're going we're gonna to hold it right there until you drafted a bill. So when we come back, we'll continue talking about what was in that Florida bill and then also talk about 
what you need to include in your prenuptial, and we'll get specific prenuptial protection maneuvers front and center on The Cigar Dave Show. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with The General now at Cigar Dave Show. The journey of Jarguera began with a very special yet delicate Cuban seed. The Grupo de Maestros took their rare tobacco to the privileged farmlands of western Honduras, where they began a five-year program to combine its sweet flavors and distinctively aromatic qualities with the robustness of Criollo 98. The result was Jarguera, a genetic hybrid tobacco containing the best qualities of each. Grown on a single state containing rich soil and ideal weather conditions, Jarguera features flavors of coffee and chocolate with hints of nutmeg and cinnamon. Shade and sun-grown versions of this exceptional tobacco are now used exclusively in one cigar. Jarguera H. Upman. Experience Jarguera H. Upman. Now at your local tobacconist. And visit jarguera.com to learn more. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. For your alpha male safety and sanity, the general has turned on the no nagging sign. Naggy dames may now exit the man cave. That music you hear in the background is actually Spanish translated to English saying, make sure you get yourself a prenuptial agreement. Make sure you have all your assets if you get divorced and you'll be one happy alpha male. As we continue prenuptial protection maneuvers here on the Cigar Dave Show, Thomas Duggar, a noted matrimonial attorney from Tallahassee, joins us now. Thomas, we left off talking about the new alimony bill that was introduced in the Florida House and Senate during this legislative session that was vetoed by the governor And last week I talked about it. The governor vetoed it because there was a child uh, custody uh, portion that was inserted into that bill, which, and and my comment was, I don't understand why the members of the House and Senate wouldn't just separate those bills, but give us a little light on that. Well, I can give you light on that. Um, There is a particular senator who wants... um, 50 50 parenting he thinks that all parenting arrangements should start at equal time sharing and 
the family law section of the bar and everybody got on board with the new alimony bill. We we right. complete, c- completely redrafted it, had it set up um, with a formula. Um, everybody was in agreement with it. Uh, the bar supported it. And we lobbied for it through both the House and the Senate. And then at the last minute, an amendment was attached to that that said there shall be a, a presumption in favor of equal, of equal time sharing uh, in the event of a divorce. And eventually, that is why the governor vetoed that bill, because that was that was added into it. He also vetoed it in 2003 because it applied retroactively. Um, I don't know why they didn't uh, split the bills, but that's our state legislature. All right. So tell us what was in specifically on the alimony portion. How would that have changed the existing Florida alimony laws? Well, it would have gotten rid of all types of alimony. Right now, there are different types of alimony in the state of Florida, and it would have gotten rid of all types. And it would have applied a very strict formula that would apply to length of marriage and income status. And it would have, it would have given a low end of what the judge should award and a high end of what the judge should award. And then there were factors about how the judge could then award between those numbers. But it was a strict formula, which we don't have right now. Right now, alimony is completely up to the judge's whim. So we would have had guidelines, you know, uh, guideposts of, you know, this is the low end, this is the high end, and then the lawyers could have argued this is why it should be high, this is why it should be low. So now my understanding also was that any marriage less than two years, there would be no alimony. Is that correct? That is that is correct. There would be a presumption against it absent massive circumstances such as you know traumatic injury et cetera, et cetera. well and when you look at it you know let's face it many i don't have the statistics but i would say that many marriages if they're going to fail many are in the first few years when you really start to get to know somebody you're really living with them you know you have some ups and downs and i never understood why somebody could after three weeks three months six months or year of marriage say i'm entitled to half of everything uh, and, and we've seen celebrities where that, that is the case. But in terms of, of what judges currently do today, really doesn't the, the ex-husband really kind of get shafted uh, in, many, in most cases on the alimony? Well, it kind of depends on the situation. Um, you know, I think all men would say they get shafted and all women would say they don't get enough. Um, but I think the guidelines would lay out, you know, this is where we are and this is what you can expect. And this is for how long you can expect it right now. It's kind of up to the judges to make that determination. And, um, you know, it, it, it leads to a lot of discrepant, uh, rulings and that makes it hard. So, so as an example, let's say somebody was married ten is married ten years. They get divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, one of the things we have to look at, this isn't like back in the 1950s where the little woman stayed at home, uh, you know, like June Cleaver, and Ward was out, you know, earning money. Many cases, you have women that are, if not just as successful, but more successful in terms of their economic uh, income than a male. So basically, we live in a time where women are in the workforce, so it's not as it used to be, but let's say somebody's married for 10 years. Okay. What would the formula be? Somebody's married for 10 years, the husband and wife, I, let's say, both work. How would that work? Well, it would depend on their incomes at this point. You know, if 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 you have equal incomes, there's no alimony, right? Okay. Or, or if you're even close to equal incomes, there's no alimony. Um, because right now it's based upon the need of one spouse versus the ability – of the other spouse to pay it. And if you have two working people and they're making roughly the same amount of money, there's not going to be any alimony. It's not going to happen. Okay, um, so if one spouse, let's say the, the husband uh, works, makes X, we'll just say $75,000. Let's just use a yep. round, uh, easy figure. Uh, the wife uh, doesn't work. They've been married 10 years. Uh, they're both, let's say, in their uh, early 40s. So what would, how, how would that work? Well, currently it would work. She would probably receive what would call a durational alimony for a period of time, maybe three or four years to get her back into the workforce okay. um, because they, you know, we, we promote, you know, work and people getting into the workforce. Um, so, you know, it, it would be hard to determine those numbers. Because you can actually impute income if there's no reason that she's not working. You can you can say, you know, look, she could go earn X amount of money. So her alimony calculation would be calculated on that imputed income, not necessarily zero. And now with this also change, I know many times people's income changes sometimes it goes down when we had the uh you know back in 2008 2009 we went into a recession right now there's really no provision to change the alimony but under this new bill could that be addressed it could be and 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 also you can change it right now if there is oh, you a can. Subs- okay yes you can if there's a, a substantial change in your income um, you can apply for uh, a downward modification of alimony. You cannot apply for an upward modification. So if the husband is making 100000 and alimony is set at $500 a month or whatever it is, and he starts making 500000 she cannot come in and claim currently – for, hey, now he's making X, I need X. So you can only do downward modifications right now. All right, when we uh, come back, gotcha. We come back for our final and concluding segment with Thomas Duggar as we talk prenuptial protection maneuvers. We will get into the specifics that you want to include in your prenuptial agreement. And also we'll talk about timing, how far in advance before you get married. Does your new spouse, does she have to get her own attorney? Can you get an attorney for her? Do you have to pay for it? We'll go over all those items as we are looking to protect your assets, lieutenants, as the final and concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. 
If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. This is Rocky Patel. On a daily basis, our personal rights, freedoms, and privileges are being taken away by the government, by the people who don't want us to enjoy the fine things in life. Cigars. Guess what? Socialism stinks. Cigars don't. So in order to celebrate life, we decided to release the freedom. This great cigar from Nicaragua has tones of coffee, spice, pepper, with a great underlying sweetness. It's got a beautiful Ecuadorian wrapper, fillers from different parts of Nicaragua, and guess what? It's priced very fairly. So go out and celebrate the fine things in life and enjoy your freedom by lighting up a Rocky Patel freedom. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. America's Alpha Male with Nads of Steel, the General Cigar, Cigar Dave. Dave. Prenuptial protection maneuvers, our final segment today with Thomas Duggar, matrimonial attorney up in Tallahassee, Florida, home of the Florida State Seminoles and the home of the Florida Association of Broadcasters in which I serve on the board. Let me ask you this, Thomas. What are the current statistics? What are the percentage of marriages that fail? First marriages fail at about a 48% rate, and what I tell my clients is, would you cross the would you, would you cross the street if there was a 48% chance you'd get hit by a bus and killed? And that's why I think prenuptial agreements are very important. As you get into second and third marriages, those statistics rise drastically. Second marriages are in the 70s and thirds are in the 
high nine, uh, high eighties, high eighties for divorce. That's in, I would think that the the second and third would be less of a divorce rate than the first, but maybe not. Nah, it's it's, not. it's actually it's actually higher. All right, so let's talk about prenuptial agreements. First of all, yes, sir. You come into it. I'm getting married, let's say hypothetically, and you know I've got um, I've got uh, my investment accounts, I've got my retirement account, I own a home, I've got my car, I've got my dog, uh, I've got my cigar selection, some spirit selection, some gifts that were given to me by uh, relatives and other friends. So I need to specify that in the prenuptial, correct? That it's all mine. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and what else do you specify now income? Do you specify whether it goes in, you know, money that that's earned by each party goes into a joint account? Do you keep them separate? Is that specified in a prenuptial agreement? Most of my prenuptial agreements are what are, are what I would call title driven. So title controls. So if okay. you have your own bank account in your name, that's your money, even though you've earned it during the marriage. If she has her own money, it's in her name, and that's her stuff. Um, so title typically drives a prenuptial agreement, and that's what's most important. And that includes homes, cars, anything purchased uh, during the marriage, title-driven. Oh, now, how about I'm talking before it comes in. Before you, you get married, you specify, hey, that's all mine. But anything after, you could still say the same thing. I'm, if, I, if I buy a new car and I pay cash from my account, then that's still that's my property. It's not subject to marital, uh, marital sharing, correct? Absolutely. And the same okay. thing with when, when you talked about income, what you would look at is a waiver of alimony or it, it, a lot of times people will say, you know, if – We've been married five years, alimony is X, 10 years, alimony is X, 20 years, alimony is X. So you can lay out with specificity what those payments will be. Well, it's interesting because I have a friend of mine uh, who got married uh, and second time, and he specified, he made it very clear, he said for the first two years that there would be, if the, if the marriage dissolved, there would be no alimony. From years two to four, it would be a lump sum payment. What he did is he came about it by saying, look, this is how much she would have made if she was still working. Uh, she wasn't right. working. So I calculated that, and he said that um, uh, from year five to seven, it went to a, a higher number. And then he said it graduated to a point where after year 15, that uh, basically the prenup would go away with the exception of his other assets in which he's got children uh, and other things. But basically, she would be entitled to certain other things. And so that seems to be a logical way to do it. Although, many people would say to you, Thomas, and I'm sure you've had people come in, couples come in and say, well, this is, this is just like a business. If you really love me, you wouldn't make me sign a prenuptial agreement. What do you say to that? I say that especially in second marriages that you have to protect what you have coming in. And in, in first marriages, if, if you have someone that's coming in with a lot of money or the potential for inheriting a lot of money or something along those lines, or it's a later in life marriage, like you were talking about earlier, you need to protect the stuff that you have 
beforehand, you know, and and you can draft an agreement that protects the stuff that you have beforehand, but then distributes everything that you made during the marriage. But, you know, I, 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 I'm a strong believer in both pre and post nuptial agreements. Well, I think what Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. So really the verify part is is having a prenuptial agreement. And really when you think about it, you know, marriage today is more business-like than what it was because people are coming in with assets. So I think one thing you can learn is when things are not ambiguous, when they're very clear and they're defined, usually that solves a lot of problems because if you do get divorced, it's emotional enough. And the last thing you want is to compound the issue by constant fighting back and forth. And I do have another friend of mine got divorced and actually was a, uh, a female. And she said, we had everything specified out so it was rel- relatively quickly and, and easy, and uh, no offense, Thomas, but she said we didn't have to spend all of our money with our attorneys. We were able to actually divvy up what was ours, and it was very, very businesslike and very fair, and everything was according to plan. So right. when you think that, about that, it makes sense. Yeah, and that's what I tell my clients. You know, uh, a prenuptial agreement, you know, will, will cost you some money, but it's a lot less than a divorce. And it you lays that everything right. out. So you're saving money on the front end. No question. Now, in order for the prenuptial to be valid, must uh, do you use, you must, I would assume, let's say the husband proposes the prenuptial, gives a draft to the wife. She then has to get her own attorney. Does the, the, the husband, the soon-to-be husband, have to pay for that to make it valid? Tell us the rules on that. So... In order to like offset an agreement to to make sure it's enforceable, you have to make sure that one, it is voluntarily executed. Okay, and I draft that in all of my agreements. We are voluntarily executing this, et cetera, et cetera. You also have to make sure that it was not under fraud, duress, or coercion. Okay. It cannot be unconscionable. So it can't like give 100% of something to someone and nothing to someone else. Um, there has to be the disclosure, but under the UPAA, again, you can waive that disclosure requirement. Um, and the other party you know, has to have an adequate knowledge of the financial side of it if you are a male and your soon-to-be wife wants to have the agreement reviewed it's worth every penny to pay the lawyer on the other side because you are so far more protected if there is a lawyer looking at it on the other side so if i'm about to get married and i say to my future spouse here's the prenuptial agreement my attorney has drafted here is I'm going to review it with you. You take this to any financial advisor and attorney that you would like, and I will pay the amount to have that reviewed. Yes, so if I she would does have... that, then you're covered. Yep. Okay. You are. So that is very important. And it's like you say, it is worth it so she can't come back after and said, I signed this under duress. He wouldn't let me get an attorney. He wouldn't pay for it. Now you can say... She had an attorney that reviewed it. She chose the attorney. I had nothing to do. I said, go to any attorney you want. Go to multiple attorneys if you want a second opinion. I think that's very important. 
It's very important. I just did a case just like that. I had the wife come in, referred by another attorney. Um, we went through the prenup, you know, and and they're both covered now as a result of that. Thomas got about a minute left, so very quickly, timing. How far in advance of the marriage does the prenuptial agreement have to be signed? Is there a time deadline, a time limit? There's not a time limit deadline depending on the circumstances, and I understand we only have a minute left. Um, if you have been in negotiations for like three months leading up to it, signing it the day before doesn't matter. If the prenuptial agreement is presented to someone the day before, that could be right. a problem. So it all matters on the, the pre-planning. Well, I would make this recommendation. Have the prenuptial sign before the invitations go out because Absolutely. once those invitations go out, there's, and I've seen this happen where one of the, uh, one of the parties, the, one of the, the, the spouse said, the potential spouse said, I'm going to sign it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. We'll send out the invitations. Then I'll sign it. Well, the invitations were about to go out. And she said, well, you know what? We'll wait a few more days. And he said, uh-uh. Sign it or forget it. She wouldn't sign it. That was the end of that. So, lesson learned. Thomas, I appreciate you joining us. Thomas Duggar, matrimonial law uh, attorney and expert from the firm Duggar & Duggar in Tallahassee. Thomas, appreciate you joining us and filling us in on prenuptial protection maneuvers. Uh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Lieutenants, we are always looking out to make sure you are protected. What's yours is yours. What's hers is yours. Well, maybe not, but close enough. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, may your humidor always be full. May your cutter always be sharp. May your ash be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. And may you always protect your assets.